For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of redlegnation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 68 of Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining us today is one of our favorite guests, always. I know you know him from RedsMinorLeagues.com. Uh, it's Doug Gray. He's also the author of, uh, if you haven't purchased it yet, you need to get it, uh, this year's Cincinnati Reds 2012 Prospect Guide. Get it in soft cover version. Get it in a PDF version. Um, you won't be disappointed, but uh, how you doing today, Doug? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how about yourself? Oh, doing doing well. Uh, ready for the season to start. I, you know, the, the spring training and... Uh, they're actually throwing pitches and having you know pretend games, but they're having some games, and I'm I'm ready to, I'm ready for opening day, ready to get it started. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I was a little mad at Major League Baseball Network today because they delayed going to the Reds game. It was supposed to be on at four, but uh, yeah, I feel you. I'm, I'm ready to get things going. Yeah, I was away from the uh, the television, but I saw your angry tweet, and uh, I thought, uh oh, they they've really screwed up this time. If they if they if they're losing Doug, they're really screwed up because. Uh, <laughs> Not a bigger baseball fan around. So, you know, what I thought we'd talk about is you're, you're sort of our prospect guru. We like to come to you with our prospect questions. And this year I expect a couple of prospects to have a pretty significant uh, impact at the major league level, one of whom was at your at your website there, redsminorleagues.com. Uh, you listed your top 25, and there have to be some changes based on some of the trades. But your number one prospect was, of course, Devin Mezzarocco, who's expected to get some serious time in the big leagues um, as a semi-regular catcher. Um, what are you expecting out of Mezzarocco in his first full season in the big leagues? I think it really is going to depend on how Dusty wants to use him. Because, um, you know, sometimes it's tougher to kind of get things going, especially offensively, if you're playing, you know, every other day or, you know, once every three days, and then, you know, you play two in a row and then you take two days off. But I, I think that, you know, he's probably going to fill in offensively about where Ramon Hernandez was last year. You know, his upside is a lot higher than that, but I, I think with sporadic playing time, you know, splitting the time with Hannigan, it, it might take him a little bit of time to actually get things going before he can take kind of take off and take over the uh, full-time role. Defensively, you know, I expect him to be solid but not outstanding. Um, you know, he's got some experience catching just about everybody on the staff, but he doesn't have a lot of experience catching hardly anybody. So I think that it might take him a few months to kind of get everybody, you know, under control and, you know, be, you know, very comfortable with all of the pitchers on the staff. I think everyone expects Mezzarocco eventually to uh, take over. He's got, he's got too much talent not to, really. Um, if you had to, to lay odds on it, would you expect that by the end of this season for him to really sort of man uh, grab grab the handles on that position there or or might, maybe it might take a you know a year, year and a half, two years, a little while. He's still you know he's just what twenty three years old. I think that you know if I were making the call that yeah you're probably about right sometime between you know mid and late season 
I'd probably feel more comfortable handing him over the full-time gig, you know, giving him a day or two off a week, just kind of giving him rest just because, you know, a catcher can't really play 150 games. It's just, it, it's too grueling on their body. But, uh, you know, you never really know. Um, you know, Hannigan is a very good catcher. Uh, you know, he's not as, you know, offensively efficient as, you know, Nazarocco might be. But, you know, he's very strong defensively. So I think that in this situation, it might be, you know, sometime next year. But, you know, if he comes out and hits the way that he, we all think that he can, that, you know, by the end of this year, he could take over full time. Really sort of a, you know, I never, I always enjoy talking about what's happened with Mezzarago. Of course, when he was drafted um, by the Reds in the first round back in 2007, you know, at that time he was at a high school had committed to play for my alma mater. And so, I, you know, I, it was a mixed, mixed blessing, I guess, for me. Uh, but then, of course, he started off slowly, you know, really uh, some people too early, obviously, but started throwing around the bust label. Um, and, again, that goes back to one of our themes of the podcast is don't you, you got to be patient with young guys. But, uh, you know, what a, what a turnaround over really struggling offensively and defensively early in his career to becoming just what everyone had hoped for. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're right. It, I, I think that some people did jump on that uh, the, the bust wagon a little bit too soon. And I, I wonder if it has more to do with the way that the Reds farm system had kind of been up to that point. You know, they were just then starting to get stronger and more reliable in producing, you know, major league talent. So people kind of had that thing, well, the Reds can't, you know, bring guys to the big leagues ready to play. And, you know, they'd had all these guys that didn't, that actually had been bust that they had been drafting over the last, you know, five, six, seven years before him. So maybe that kind of played into it. But, you know, he didn't really perform too well. But if you looked a little bit deeper than just the, you know, batting average and on-base percentage, the, the, you know, peripherals were there. And, you know, he'd show flashes of the talent that, you know, made him a number one draft pick. But it just took him a little bit of time to put it all together. Well, put it together, he did. His last couple of years have really been outstanding, and I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, Reds fans getting a chance to see him every day. Well, not every day, but getting to see him with the big league club now um, from opening day on. So, uh, big fan of Devin Mezzarocco. Now, another young guy, you had him in your top ten in your uh, on your prospect list that's going to hopefully have a positive impact on the Reds this year is Zach Cozart, who should be uh, really the primary shortstop. What's your opinions on uh, on Cozart, and uh, what do you expect? Uh, is he going to be able to handle the position, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, he's, at this point in his career, he, he's old enough, he's got the experience, you know, he, he was seasoned at AAA for basically, you know, a year and a half, um, and he made big strides last year in Louisville. Um, you know, he added, you know, a lot to his overall offensive game. You know, most of it came through the improvement of his hit tool, which had kind of always been the knock on him. You know, most people always projected him to be a you know, 240, 250 kind of hitter. But what I started hearing last year is that he had kind of made some improvements and that maybe he's a 260, 270 kind of hitter. And that really boosts, you know, his overall offensive performance. Um, and defensively, you know, he's always kind of had, you know, that above average shortstop, uh, you know, mark on him. And uh, nothing's really changed with that. You know, he's got sure hands. He's got good range. It's not outstanding, but... You know, he's got pretty good range, and he'll catch just about anything he'll get his glove on. He's got a strong arm. Yeah, my opinion of Kozar, I've seen him a few times uh, before he made his 11-game appearance in the majors last year. I've obviously not seen him as much as you, no doubt, but 
my opinion on him was, and what I've told people is, look, he's, he's not going to be Paul Yanish at shortstop, but he's certainly a capable major league shortstop defensively. Um, the question is if he can, uh, you know, continue to have, uh, you know, maybe above average, average power for a shortstop and, you know, maybe he might make a, you know, a pretty good shortstop. You know, you can't expect all shortstops to be Barry Larkin, who we're going to be talking about a lot this summer. Um, you got to think for the next, uh, you know, three or four years, this guy might be able to, you know, make the position his. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that there might be somebody that might push him off of shortstop, you know, in the next year or two, but I, I do think that if the Reds can't sign Phillips, that he's going to be starting somewhere in the middle infield for the Reds. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, anyone else that uh, you see on the radar that might have some kind of an impact on the, the big league club this year, or is, or is that it? You know, I mean, Todd Frazier might be able to work his way into a utility role by midseason. I, I don't think that even with a good spring he can get in um, before then just because of, you know, the way that options are going to play out. Um you know, maybe a guy works his way into the bullpen. If Andrew Brackman kind of, you know, gets his control in hand, um, he can push for one of the last spots in the bullpen. But, yeah, I think that those two are the main guys that, you know, they're really going to be the, the biggest contributors from the farm system this year. You mentioned Todd Frazier. Are you as disappointed as I, as I am in, you know, I don't know if it's the way he's been handled or the way he's responded. You know, I don't know what it is, but I thought he was going to be playing at this point in his career a much bigger role on the on the major league team. You disagree with that, or uh, is that unfair? I don't think that it's unfair. Uh, I think that he's actually gotten a bad rap within the system just because I feel that he's always been a better-suited player for third base than Juan Francisco, but he's always been the guy that's moved around to different positions because of Juan Francisco. Um, and, you know, the Reds have always said, you know, we, we're confident that Todd Frazier can be a third baseman, but they never really let him play third base unless Francisco had been on the DL at some other point. Um, so, you know, he's moved around a whole bunch, and I think that maybe because of how they've treated the Juan Francisco situation that he kind of has been put into the utility player kind of role. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good analysis. I just, I've never understood the, the Reds' uh, passion for Juan Francisco. Uh, I probably underrate him a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll concede that, but... I just don't get it. I'm a, I'm a Todd Frazier fan, and I would I think he can help a major league team. He's not going to be a star, but I think he can help a, a major league club. And I hate to see him pushed back yet uh, to AAA for yet another year. Um, now, looking at your your top five gives me a, a good way to good reason to segue into. You talked about the the Reds farm system made a, a move up in the rankings. Uh, you know, had a really good run for a while. Well, traded away some of that depth this year. And, as a matter of fact, two of your top five in the Reds, uh, on your Reds prospect list, Ismani Grandal and uh, Yonder Alonso, are now gone. How does, uh, and of course, you, B- Brad Boxberger's gone. How, do, how does losing those guys affect where the Red system rates uh, among, other, uh, among other clubs? Well, you know, I, before the trades, I think that they were probably somewhere in that 8 to 10 range. Um, and then after the trades, they probably fell down somewhere to about 20 to 25, depending on who you ask. That's and a big I, drop. It is, but at the same time, you know, they've still got plenty of pieces. I think that the big thing with prospect rankings is most of them are based on, you know, the top 10. And while the Reds lost a lot of their top 10, I think that they have a lot more depth than most teams do. And there's potential further down the system that can kind of explode and get into, you know, the top 100 type prospect players. 
that'll boost that system right back up, you know, with, with a good season. And I, I think that in overall prospect rankings, that sometimes that gets overlooked because it, it's more often viewed as, you know, this team's top 10 or 15 versus that team's top 10 or 15. That's kind of where things usually stop. Who's the top pitching prospect in the Rays organization? I know, I know who you're going to say, I, I, I'm pretty sure, but uh, because this guy blows me away. But uh, go ahead and, and talk about him a little bit. I have Daniel Corsino rated as the number one pitching prospect. I agree. Uh, he, he's much like Johnny Cueto at the same stage. I think that Cueto was a little bit more polished at the same stage, but you know, I think that Corsino's got better stuff. Um, he throws a little bit harder. I like his breaking ball a little bit better. Um, his control is not quite as good, but you know, I think that it's still very good at this age. Um, you know, he's got a mid-90s fastball, then get up to 97. Um, the last start of the year that he made, he was throwing 96 in the seventh inning. Um, you know, he's got a – he calls it a slider. I think that it more – it, to me it looks more like a power breaking or a power curveball than a slider. Um, but, you know, it just all depends on, I guess, the angle that you're looking at when you see it because – I've, I've actually had that argument before, and, you know, it doesn't really matter. He throws a low 80s breaking ball. Um, that When it's on, I think that it's a, it's a true out pitch in the major leagues. Um, he's got a good change up. You know, I think that the one thing that needs to work on is just more consistency. Um, it seems that when he gets in a rut at times, he kind of lets it all go. Um, but, you know, he's just 20 years old last year. He's got outstanding stuff. If he were two inches taller, I think he'd be a top 50 prospect in baseball by just about everybody. But because he's a five foot 11 guy, he, he gets overrated or underrated just a little bit by the national guys, I think. Well, again, similar to Cueto, who, in my opinion, that was a, a big part of why he was sort of underrated all the way through. You know, a, a smaller guy. But I guess he, you know, Corsino's still young, but he's been he's been in the organization here now, uh, what, uh, two or three years. And everything I read about this guy just. Very impressive. Where do you expect him to be this year? Do you are we ready to guess on that? I personally projected him to be in Bakersfield, which is high A. But I actually heard that going into spring training that he was going to be given the opportunity to win a spot in Double A for the wow. new team down in Pensacola, Florida. Um, now I, I don't think that he's going to be able to do it. I, I just think that there's too many guys. You know, the Reds brought in a few veteran-type guys that I think are going to push the depth down from Louisville and to Pensacola, that there's just not going to be room for him. Um, but there, there's always that outside chance. You know, if he could uh, somehow uh, start in double-A, that'd be really, at his age, incredible. Uh, and maybe start getting a little bit more notice, although he's getting some notice um, around the league. Uh, I think this guy's got to, obviously there's no such thing as a pitching prospect, he's got to stay healthy, but future could be bright there. What other uh, what other pitchers you uh, do you like in the organization? Uh, what about Stevenson, Robert Stevenson, the guy that they uh, the Reds drafted in the first round uh, last year, 2011? Yeah, I mean he's the only other guy that's even in the same conversation with Corsino right now. You know, I think that they're. I mean, you can easily say they're one and one A. Um, you know, the only thing that gives Corsino the edge is that he has. You know, he's got some sort of track record. And he's a little bit further removed from you know throwing, you know, full season worth of innings and not being injured. But, um, you know, he's a big guy, 6'2", 6'3", 200 pounds. Um, he's thrown as high as 98 miles an hour. He's got a very good breaking ball. Um, you know, he kind of reminds me of Homer Bailey when he was coming out of high school. 
And I know that some people aren't going to like that because they're going to think of, you know, the struggles that Homer Bailey's had. But, you know, coming out of high school, Homer Bailey was one of the best pitching prospects to come out of Texas in years. And I think that Stevenson kind of fits in that. And, you know, last year was a very, very deep draft. And in most other years, he'd have been the top 10 pick. But there was just so much depth in last year's draft that he fell all the way down to us in the late 20s. Um, you know, he's, you know, he's got decent mechanics. There's a little bit of effort to it, but I don't see anything that's really jumping out as saying, oh, here's an injury waiting to happen. Um, you know, he's got a big fastball, big breaking ball, like I said. You know, he just needs to stay healthy and, uh, you know, just work his way up. Yeah, I look forward to seeing how, you know, the not, I don't know how much you can tell from a guy's first go-around, especially a guy coming out of high school. But I look forward to seeing how he reacts to pro ball this year, and uh, he'll be he'll be one to watch. Uh, in terms of pitchers, it seems to me the Reds organization may be a little light on uh, the pitching prospects. Kyle Lotzker maybe, uh, you know, I don't know who else you would. Uh, I mean, I, I'd probably throw Sol, J.C. Solberin in there, yeah. um, Tony Singrani. You know, I, I, I lump those three together, but I put the other two guys in, in just a different kind of class right now. Right. Well, let's go. Let's go back to uh, to the to the hitters a little bit. One guy that's a really young guy still. He's been a young guy in the Reds organization. Seems like for about five years now. Jorman Rodriguez, and I know you've always been pretty high on him. I've been, I don't know, skeptical maybe. But tell us what you know about Jorman uh, Rodriguez and uh, what you expect out of him. Yeah, I feel like I've been the high guy on him for you know basically the last year, year and a half. Um, you know, when I see him, you know. Wh- he'll just flash tools that I just don't see anybody else in the system being able to match top to bottom. You know, he's got bat speed that, you know, only a few other guys in the system can match. He's an above average runner. He's got a, you know, above average throwing arm, you know, when he wants to, he can play a good center field. He's got the speed for it. He's got the glove for it. You know, there's been some, you know, effort related questions, but those all have almost come from, you know, just last season. And, you know, for those who don't know, um, on the same day, you know, he lost his grandmother and his best friend growing up. Um, You know, they both died on the same day. And this is a kid who last year was 18 years old and, you know, 2,000 miles away from home. You know, I really think that, you know, personal life kind of things can really play on somebody, especially somebody who's in a different country who doesn't really speak the language well, who's so far away from everything, that some people didn't really want to, you know, put that in perspective with how that could affect his on-the-field effort. Um, and I had heard that uh, reports in, from Instructional League that, you know, his attitude was much better, his effort was a lot better. So I guess we'll kind of have to play that one by ear. But I think that, you know, I'm definitely willing to give him a do-over as far as, you know, the effort-related concerns were for 2011. Well, it bears watching. But, you know, it all, as you say, it could also just be immaturity, you know. How dare an 18-year-old be – Act immature, uh, you know. So I agree. Let's uh, let's let's wait and see on him. But you you think that his ceiling is pretty high, though? Yeah, I I don't think that anybody in the entire system has the kind of ceiling that he does. I, he's a legit five tool player. Um, you know, he's got a good hit tool. He's got plenty of power. I mean, just top to bottom, he's a, he's a five tool guy who has you know legit five above average tools. What would uh, how much would Jim Bowden drool over uh, Yorman Rodriguez if he had a chance to uh, to sign him? Oh, he could probably fill the bathtub or something. <laughs> right, uh, you know, a five tool guy. Well, I'm hopeful on him. Another guy that uh, really sort of 
outside of maybe Mezzarocco, the guy you hear more about in terms of Reds prospects, and a guy that I'm still waiting to see on, uh, is Billy Hamilton. What's your opinion on uh, Billy Hamilton? You know, uh, is he is he can he stick at shortstop? I think probably he can, but is he going to hit enough to to really be the the guy that a lot of people are expecting? A lot of people talk about him as Brandon Phillips' replacement. Yeah, see, I, I can see where people are coming from when they get excited about, you know, Billy Hamilton. He, he's got pretty good tools, um, but like you said, I'm not entirely sure. At least let me say it this way. I'm not convinced yet that he can hit well enough to be a starting major leader. Um, you know, I, I see glimpses, but, you know, he is going to have to rely on, you know, being a fast guy who can beat out hits on the infield and making a lot of contact. And right now, he just doesn't make a lot of contact. He's got a strikeout problem. And I'm not usually a guy who worries about strikeouts, but for a guy who might hit one or two home runs a year, you have to make a lot of contact. And right now, he's striking out, you know, 15 to 20% of the time he steps to the plate. He's got to be able to improve on that, or no matter how fast he is, he's not going to be able to hit enough. Um, defensively, you know, I've heard things about, you know, him moving off of shortstop and maybe moving to center field, and I, I just think that would be a terrible move. Um, it, it might just be me, but when I see this kid play, he's got the most elite range I've ever seen from a shortstop prospect. He can get his, he can stop and make plays on baseballs that, you know, elite shortstops would be happy to get their glove on. You know, he he's got that kind of range, and I, I just think that that would be something, you know, silly to waste by moving into center field because he can run quick. He is fast though, isn't he? He is. He's really, really fast. Um, I, I have timed him under 3.8 at least 10 different times from home to first. And, I mean, that's just that's just ridiculous speed. Yeah, he's a guy that if he could put it together just a little bit to where he could uh, hit enough to stick in the big leagues, and really if his defense uh, comes around when you consider that range, really could be a f- fun guy to watch and a guy that uh, Cincinnati fans could fall in love with. So we'll see. I don't know. I've, I've, I've been skeptical since day one just because just looking at his numbers I've not seen him play much just looking at his numbers I'm concerned about that bat yeah I mean like I said you know you can see glimpses and you know last season in Dayton his first half he was not he was not a good hitter at all um in the second half he hit almost 340 and he cut down on his strikeout rate and he kept his walk rate the same and you know the offense really came around in the second half so you know you're, you're starting to see some glimpses but you know, really, until a guy gets to double A, if there's questions about his bat, I'm not usually sold. And he's he's a he's a guy that I'd like to be able to see, you know, do something at the double A level before I'm going to be completely sold on his bat. Before we move off of shortstop, uh, a guy that's opened a few eyes this year in spring training is uh, a young guy, Didi Gregorius. Uh, what, what are your opinions on uh, on Didi? He can pick it, I'm told. Yeah, he's probably the best shortstop in the minor leagues right now. Um, defensively, you know, he's got good hands. He's got, he's got very good range. Um, he, he can just make excellent plays. Which, if you watched the game the other day that was on TV, you know, you, you saw that he just made a nice stop up the middle and made made a good throw. And you know, all the broadcasters were raving about that. But you know, where I where I really get interested with Didi is actually at the plate because he's a guy who, at a very young age, he can make really quick adjustments. Um, you know, when he gets two strikes, he completely alters the way that he sets up at the plate. He eliminates his toe tap, his step, everything. He stands up and he spreads his feet out and he just tries to make contact. You know, most guys don't do that, much less guys that are, you know, 20, 21 years old. 
So I, I think that that's something that's really nice to see. Um, I'd like to see him hit for a little bit more power. I know that he's got it in him, uh, but, you know, he's not really been much of a power hitter to this point in his career, but he's got the frame, and if he fills, if he fills out a little bit more, uh, I think that, you know, he can be a, you know, 15 home run guy, and that, that's pretty good for a shortstop who can also field really well. Is he going to be in double-A Pensacola this year? <sighs> it's a good question. Uh, if I were making the decision, I would start him out in triple-A just because, I don't think the Reds are going to sign Phillips and between DD and Henry Rodriguez, you know, they need to figure out if one of those guys can be able to step in or if they need to go look, you know, maybe young free agency or via a trade to find somebody to replace Phillips. But I, I think that they're probably going to put him in Pensacola just because he only had, you know, 168 bats in double A last year. Hamilton in, uh, in high, you think? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I'd be really surprised if they pushed him to Double A, even if they wind up starting DD in uh, in Triple A. I, I just don't think that he's ready for that jump just yet. You mentioned Henry Rodriguez. Let's go ahead and talk about him uh, just a second. A lot of people I know are, are high on him. Certainly at the plate, he's uh, been playing second base. Is his defense going to be good enough for second base? Yeah, I, I don't really know because Walt Jockety, you know, for as long as I've been alive. He's been a guy who he takes defense very seriously. And while Henry can play second base, you know, adequate, he's not a guy who's going to be, you know, an above-average defender. He might not even be average. He, he might even be a little bit below average. You know, there, there's been some questions of his effort at times in the field. He's one of those guys that has the, you know, reputation that he likes to hit, but he doesn't really like the field. And, you know, he's made some strides, but... I'm still not entirely sold on him being, you know, the kind of guy that the Reds would let play every day at second base. But if he could handle uh, the job defensively, you think his bat uh, projects to be major league quality to where he could stick at second base uh, or, be, or, or, be, yeah. or be a positive uh, co- contributor at second base, I guess? Yeah, I mean, you know, he makes plenty of contact. He's got a lot more power than his size would suggest. Um, he's a switch hitter, so he's not going to really have any platoon splits. Um you know, he's hit 300 every year he's been in the United States, and I, I don't really see that being something that he would get away from in the major leagues. You know, maybe he dips down into the 290s, but you know, he's he's a legit, you know, above average hitter for average um, at the major league level. And uh, you know, pretty good chance, depending on what happens with Gregorius. But uh, those guys are both in Pensacola, you think? Double A. You know, Rodriguez actually had like 300 uh, at bats in double-A last year and, you know, hit 302. So I think that, you know, there's there's a decent chance that they could push him to triple-A. But, you know, with all the veterans they brought in, I could see a situation where he gets pushed back to double-A uh, just because there's not enough room in Louisville for him. We were talking about shortstops a moment ago, and a guy that started out as a shortstop, drafted in 2007, third round back in 07 as a shortstop, that has, you know, Turned some turned some heads this spring and, and before with his power. Neftali Soto, uh, he's obviously playing first base now. What's uh, what's Soto? Neftali Soto's what's his uh, ceiling and uh, how soon can we expect to see him? Well, he's got a huge ceiling. You know, he's probably got legitimate forty home run power in his bat. You know, he hit thirty one home runs this year in under three or under four hundred at bats between Double A AA and Triple A. 
you know, that kind of power doesn't come around often. Adam Dunn's the last guy that hit 30 home runs in the minor leagues for the Reds. Um, you know, he, he, he's got legit plus power. Um, the one question I've got with his bat is his plate discipline. You know, he's never been a guy who's had a better than three to one stress walk ratio. And, you know, for a first baseman, there hasn't been a guy since 1993 who's had his kind of plate discipline to get 1,500 bats at first base in the major leagues. So he, he's going to have to make improvements there. Um, he's got a good hit tool, but he's he's a little too aggressive at this point, and he doesn't allow that hit tool to play up. If he can make the uh, the adjustments and swing at more strikes and fewer balls, I, I think that he could be a legitimate above-average hitting first baseman. That's been the question since day one, though. His uh, plate discipline has really not not been good, um, and he's gonna he's gonna have to hit well. Is he is he a is he a Juan Francisco type? I mean, I guess I guess that's what I'm wondering. He, he's not that bad. Um, I, I've seen him quite a few times the past year or so, and I, I can see glimpses where he gets plate discipline. He'll lay off, but then other times he just he goes up there and it's like he he needs to hit the ball, and so I, I think that. Over time, he'll be able to improve it enough, but it's just a matter of how long is it going to take for him to take that next step. I started to mention him earlier when we were talking about uh, Jorman Rodriguez, but a guy that's always been mentioned in the same paragraph with Jorman is uh, Juan Duran, another uh, young guy. He's not ranked quite as highly in your rankings, but uh, where does he stand as a prospect? At at one time, there was talk that he was uh, as good a prospect as Rodriguez, I thought. Yeah, I mean, they both signed around the same time. They were a few months apart, but, you know, they both got two-plus two million dollars within, you know, I think four or five months of each other. Uh, but, you know, Duran is he, – he's got a very high ceiling. You know, he's, you know, right there with Neftali Soto in terms of, you know, raw power. He could be a 40-home run guy one day. Um, you know, he's got light tower power. But he's also striking out nearly 40% of the time he steps to the plate. And I, I think that part of that is, you know, he's he's still relatively raw when it comes to baseball skills, and he's six foot seven, so he's got a huge strike zone. Um, but you know, he's gonna he's gonna be able to hit for power no matter where he's at because you know he's got the bat speed, he's got the leverage behind it. But right now, that's about the only good thing he can do offensively. He can hit home runs, and you know, he he walks a decent amount, but he just strikes out so much at this point in his career that. You know, I really do have a tough time thinking that he's going to be an everyday major league player one day. Uh, he's got such a long way to go. He'd have to cut his strikeout rate by, you know, 30, 40% of what it's at right now just to be considered, you know, below average in terms of strikeout rate. Wow. Um, anyone else that you can, that we've not touched on here today that you think that Reds fans who are uh, not following things as closely as, as you are, uh, that maybe should keep an eye on the next uh, year or two? Any, any other names that, pop out at you that we haven't discussed? Well, we kind of touched on J.C. Silverman earlier, but, uh, you know, he probably warrants a little bit more just because you know, he'll probably start the year in double-A this year. And, you know, the last two months of the season, you know, he really, really put things together in Bakersfield. You know, he's always been a guy who's, who's struggled with his control and consistency, but in the last two months of the year, you know, his walk rate plummeted. And that's always been the issue with him. And, you know, he made very big strides in that. You know, and th- there were there's some some things that he'd been working on that you know explain that you know there's a reason why it happened. 
So I think that it could be a legit step forward. And if it is, you know, he's got the stuff to be an above-average starting pitcher. You know, maybe he's a number two or number three. I'm not quite sure he's, you know, got the stuff to be a number one. But, you know, he's a guy that if the step forward and control is legit, you know, he could be pushing for, you know, a big league call-up, you know, this September. Wow. That's a, a little surprising. What about a guy like Donnie Joseph? Uh, lefty throws pretty doggone hard. Uh, is this a guy that uh, we might be able to see at some point, or is he falling off the radar a little bit? It's interesting because stuff-wise last year, he took a big step forward. You know, he picked up three or four miles an hour consistently on his fastball last year. But his control fell, you know, right off the map. But it wasn't it wasn't so much because of his fastball. It's because he can't really control his slider. Here he wasn't able to last year for the most part. Um, you know, he's got a plus slider. And, you know, in the lower minor leagues, he was able to get guys to chase it. And, you know, in the 2011 prospect guy, I wrote that, you know, that might be something that you want to watch for because as he goes higher, guys are going to lay off of that pitch a little bit more and he's going to need to throw it in the strike zone. And he didn't, he really struggled to do that last year. And so his walk rate went way up. Now, he went to the Arizona Fall League and, you know, he, his numbers rebounded pretty well and he's pitched all right so far in spring training. If his control is there, you know, he's another guy that, you know, we might see this year just because, one, he's a lefty, and, you know, he's got two-plus pitches if he can throw them for strikes. This is probably going to be an unfair question, so I'm just going to tell you ahead of time. I'm getting ready to be unfair to you, but let's look three years down the line. Which guys in the system now do you think have a realistic shot of being uh, playing in uh, Cincinnati, wearing the red and white for the Reds? Uh, out of the guys right now in the organization, being everyday players or uh, serious contributors in the pitching on the pitching staff. Oh man, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I know. Now, now I got to start going through positions. <laughs> uh, outside of the guys that we've talked about, oh man, now, I think Kyle Lotzgar. I mean, we mentioned him briefly earlier, but you know, if he can stay healthy, you know, he could fight his way into the rotation. But then, you know, then again, you know, three or four years down the road, we still got four of the guys that we've got right now under control, so maybe not. Gregorius? Yeah, I mean, I, I really think that if he pans out the way that the Reds think he is, that, you know, he's a guy that they, they will move that Cozart over to second base for. Um, you know, he's just, he, he's a better overall shortstop than Cozart is. And with the way that Walt views defense, I think that that's a move that they would make if they can't retain Brandon Phillips. Okay, I'll let you off the hook on that <laughs> one. Uh, that that is a tough question. That's one that we could spend probably uh, an hour discussing uh, what might happen because you got to, you know, who knows what's going to be happening on the major league roster as well. Doug, uh, you know, we've pretty much covered the cream of the system. You feel like the Reds uh, took a big step back, but you feel like there's uh, some potential in this uh, minor league system. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they lost a lot of very good talent in the trades, but, you know, like you said, they brought back some really good guys, too. You know, I, I didn't really like the Sean Marshall trade at first just because I feel that we gave up too much for a guy that was on a one-year deal, but I feel that we did really well in the Matt Latos trade, so if you just told me all the guys we traded and all the guys we got back, I'd have been fine with that. So I, I'm not really concerned with the talent that we lost because the guys that we got back, you know, they're elite-level guys. Um and so, you know, it was definitely worth, you know, losing the prospects that we did. And the farm system took a bit of a hit because, you know, you're going to give up elite-level talent to get guys like that back. But there's still plenty of talent in the system. You know, just 
might take a little bit longer to get guys ready to step in, like, you know, maybe Dave Sapil and Yasmani Grandal and Yonder Alonso were ready to do. Well, let's shift. We've talked about the young guys. Let's shift to the Major League team. What are you expecting to see? And this is another subject that we could beat to, to death for an hour or so, but what do you expect to see out of the Reds this year? Uh, are you as excited as the rest of us? I don't know how excited the rest of you guys are, but <laughs> I, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I I feel that if we don't make the playoffs this year, it, it's going to be a big disappointment. I really do think top to bottom we've got the best lineup and the deepest lineup in, in, the, in the division. Um, you know, the Brewers lost Prince Fielder. The Cardinals lost Albert Pools. And I know that the Cardinals brought in Carlos Beltran, but you know, it's not the same. He's, he's good, but Albert Pools, you know, even in his declining years right now, he's still one of the best hitters in the game. And I, I just think that, you know, top to bottom, the Reds' offense can, you know, be with anybody's. And our pitching staff, both in the rotation and the bullpen, can match up with anybody else's as well, at least, at least within our division. Right, and it's certainly not the strongest division in baseball, but I I agree with that, and I, and I also agree with the way you put that that it will be, and this sort of blows my mind to even be able to say this, that it will be a little bit of a disappointment if the Reds, or maybe a lot of a disappointment to a lot of people, if the Reds don't make the playoffs. That's uh, that's sort of what we're all expecting, and it, it will be a big letdown. But I agree, I, you know, some things have to go right. They have to stay relatively healthy. Uh, I feel like uh, they got to adequately address the inevitable Scott Rowland injury. They've got to have some. Uh, they've got to have some things go right. The Heisey Ludwig uh, situation in left field. You know that's got to. Of course, it probably won't be as bad as what we saw last year, no matter what happens. But, but on the other hand, I, I agree. I think that they've got uh, some serious potential to really have a, a strong team and, and an exciting team, a team that uh, we're going to enjoy watching. And uh, I just, I, I can't wait. It took me a long time to really get excited, but when the trade started rolling, and, and I agree with you, I love the Lados deal. Uh, I've come around on the Sean Marshall deal, but uh, overall, getting Ryan Madsen in here, I, it could be an awfully fun year. So, uh, looking forward to looking forward to getting it started. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that you know, with the talent that we brought in, anything less than the playoffs would just be a disappointment. I mean, you know, last year things didn't go our way. You know, between Bronson Arroyo's mono and just never recovering, you know, that that really hurt us. You know. We lost, what, 14 or 15 combined starts from Homer Bailey and Johnny Cueto. You know, the step down from those guys to the guys we brought in, that was a huge thing, too. So, like you said, you know, if we can get the guys to stay healthy, you know, I, I really think that, you know, we're, we, we have to be at least, you know, wild card favorites. Well, what, before we uh, sign off here, I'm going to ask you the $150,000 question. Aroldis Chapman, no longer on the prospect list, but... In my mind, what's happening in in his career is uh, one of the most important things to watch. Starter, reliever, what you, what's your opinion? Personally, uh, just the idea of using him as a reliever right now is just crazy to me. Thank you. I mean, not only is the money you're paying him ridiculous for a reliever, but you're wasting so much talent by not trying him as a starter. You know, they've given him three months in Louisville as a starter since they signed him. And, you know, this is a guy who's got one of the best fastballs in the game, one of the best sliders in the game, and he's got a third pitch that he might not even need if he can figure out how to throw those two pitches for strikes with any kind of consistency. I, I, Dusty Baker drives me insane, you know, for so many different reasons, but mainly with Chapman because Walt, for the last 
eight months has been saying Chapman is going to be a starter. And every chance that Dusty gets when somebody asks him about Chapman, he brings up using him in the bullpen. He does. If it happens, I I don't I don't know. I will lose my mind. It is very frustrating because he does he does mention that and did just this past week, and I know everyone went nuts when he said it. But uh, yeah, you know, my opinion has been actually that the Reds wasted a year last year by not having him in Louisville to start the season uh, in the rotation down there and and beginning to develop him as a starter. All that money, all that ability, you know, I don't know why you would not see what you have as a starter. It would be one thing if, you know, this were the 1960s and you just kept players until you traded them or released them. But, you know, guys these days, you've only got so much time to take advantage of their talent before they can go on to whatever team they want to. And, it, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, last year was almost an entirely wasted season by placing them in the bullpen and not even trying to put him in Louisville and, you know, at least take a look and see what you could do with him as a starter. Well, kudos to Walt Jockety for uh, hope if he can uh, continue with the the plan to keep Chapman headed towards the uh, starting rotation. It's it, it makes too much sense not to happen, but we'll see. I appreciate you joining us uh, here again. We always enjoy having you on, and we'll hopefully have you on later in the season, certainly around the draft time if we can. And uh, and at that time, we'll have a little bit better idea about what what's going on with uh, the current crop of Reds prospects, how they're developing, and Always fun uh, talking to you, and keep uh, keep following these guys. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, I'll keep following them. Uh, I don't really uh, have a choice. Reds baseball is just ingrained in me. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, J- uh, Doug will uh, keep his eye on these guys, so we don't have to pay quite as close attention. Check out Doug every day at uh, RedsMinorLeagues.com. And, of course, I can't stress enough, I urge you to go buy the, his uh, 2012 prospect guide. A um, lot more in-depth than what uh, we've been able to cover here in this podcast and you won't regret it it's uh well worth it get it at redsmileleagues.com you can get it uh, there's a link on the left uh, sidebar at redlegnation.com as well if you like to do that doug appreciate it thanks for having me all right well thank you guys for uh, and gals for downloading this podcast i know you got lots of things you can do with your your time and, and the fact that you'd actually download and listen to me ramble on for a little while it, i don't understand it but i i do appreciate it For Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson signing off for Red Leg Nation Radio. So long.